0: This episode, we've got a grab bag of different topics, including a product led growth discussion, what to do with a stagnant content site, and the role tools should play in running a business. Let's go. Welcome to Startup to Last, a podcast about building profitable software businesses that are meant to last. Hi, I'm Tyler. I run a bootstrap SaaS company called Less Annoying CRM. I'm Rick.
1: I run a software enabled services company called Leg Up Health. What's up this week, Tyler?
0: Uh, a lot. I'm kind of feeling a little overwhelmed right now. Uh, you know how things kind of ebb and flow. And like a, a month or two ago, I was like, "Oh, I've got a ton of time for you know design work and a lot of flexibility and stuff." It's just completely flipped. Where uh, lots of meetings and stuff stuff that's important, but not not my favorite type of work. Um, but good stuff's coming out of it. So, uh few updates here. A, we hired two full-time CRM coaches, which I'm very excited about. Um, one starts in a couple of weeks, I think. Uh, the other one will start in the summer. So that's exciting. Congrats. Thank you. Uh, yeah. And it's, you know, every time you hire anyone, it's exciting, but um, I think these feel like really safe hires. Like I, I'm not, th- there's sometimes a sense of nervousness that comes with new hires with these two. I'm like, we've hired this position many times. The interviews they just knocked it out of the park. Like I feel really good about it. these are both going to work out.
1: That's the sign of a good interview process. I, the, I, I did a ton of research on talent acquisition and hiring uh, when I was building it out for Windfall. And one of the, the m- most important takeaways for me that changed my mindset on interviewing and hiring was that the point of an interview process is not to get the perfect hire. It's to de-risk the hiring process and reduce yeah. the chance that you make a bad hire when you flip it on that on the head, at its head like that and you feel like you felt after these two hires, that says you have a really good hiring process.
0: Yeah, and I I, I agree with that overall. Um, and that, like making a bad hire is uh, just so, I mean, it's terrible and you want to avoid it. I, I will say, I think that that approach has led like Silicon Valley and big companies and stuff to not take certain risks that I think they maybe should take. And it, it kind of leads to like, Every company is hiring the exact same type of person. It's a diversity problem. It's, it's bad for innovation, I think. So it's a double-edged sword, I think. So, yeah,
1: absolutely. Because, the, 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 yes, there, without risk, there is little upside.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, but So we did those two hires, but there's actually three positions being hired for right now. There's CRM coach. That's the big one because it's the full-time. But then there's dev interns and coding fellows. So I counted the other day, I will have been in 30 interviews in the last month, which is pretty exhausting. <laughs> how long, how many hours per interview, roughly? My part of it is an hour, each one. Uh, the the, the full timers, it's an hour and a half, but um, for the other ones, it's an hour. So it's, you know, it's like, it's doable. If, if it were like this all the time, <laughs> something would need to change, but we're about through it. And then I probably won't do another interview until the fall at the earliest. But then right as that's ending, I'm like, okay, so now I am doing, it for people who have been longtime listeners, I do this cycle of like, I meet with the leadership team, we make some decisions about what to do, then we give a presentation of the company, and then I do a one-on-one meeting with everyone at the company every six months. This is kind of my like CEO check-in with everybody. So starting next week, I've got 18 one-on-ones coming up.
1: <laughs> yep. And yeah. You know like it's great you learn a ton but it's also you hear about all the problems.
0: Oh it's it's emotionally so draining. I I kind of I've got a lot of work to do between now and then cuz I have to prepare the presentation but like I have to build in time to um kind of relax because that week is yeah a lot of, like you say a lot of good stuff but but it's draining. So. Yep.
1: Well good. That's it sounds like you're I mean it sounds like you're going to be busy for the next few months.
0: Um I don't know how long. It depends on how much follow up there is after these one on ones. Like I think the meetings will be done in two weeks. Uh, The question. Sometimes when this happens, there's like a uh, you know I have a long list of stuff I need to do. Sometimes that doesn't happen, so we'll have to see. But I'll get out of it eventually. Uh, What's going on with you?
1: (laughs) The tone of this uh, of this episode is so different than uh, two weeks of
0: design work. Yeah, no, I, yeah, it's, but it, 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 I, I'll say this, like, it's stuff that I find very rewarding in the long term. Like day to day, I do not enjoy this work, but if I just cleared my schedule and did design work all day, a year from now, I'd look back and be like, I'm not, I'm not happy with that. So it's a long-term thing. Yeah. It's like dessert versus uh protein. Yeah. Or we'll say vegetables. I like protein. Vegetables. <laughs> I like ve- Yeah. <laughs> eat your veggies
1: and, and yeah. you'll, you won't regret it, but eat some dessert and you might. Um, well, I just, I, I'm, I'm in a good mood cause I haven't worked really. Today was my first day back after taking three days off. Um, my dad and brother came into town to ski and uh, we skied your valley four days. So it was pretty awesome. Nice. Uh, it was my second, third, fourth, and fifth day skiing this year outside of the one day I had with you, which is sad <laughs> to admit, but true. Um, but it was really fun to watch my brother he hadn't skied since he was like five or six years old and could barely remember it. Um, to really? watch him sort of fall, fall back in love with skiing. And want to like just ski opening to close every day, was pretty cool.
0: Hmm. That's interesting. Cause like, I kind of figure when one child in a family loves skiing, I guess I f- assumed all your siblings would also be big skiers.
1: You know, it, it's, it's interesting. Everyone can ski, but we stopped doing, I don't know. We just haven't done as many family. We used to do an annual ski trip. Since I moved out here, that annual ski trip doesn't happen, which is kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Maybe they don't. That's what does that say about me, you know? Um, <laughs> but uh, no, it's it's uh, it's fun. So anyway, I'm I you know it was the first vacation I've taken since I started the new job at Windfall. Um, so it was nice to I actually did not log into my email except to like just make sure I wasn't missing anything for mm-hmm. five or six days, kind of the weekend. Uh, which is
0: the, the most detached I've been in about six um six to nine months. So pretty oh, cool. That's great. Were you still checking Leg Up Health during this time? Or like I guess part, I'm I'm curious, working at a bigger company like you do now, do you think it's more it's more doable to
1: disconnect that way? Way harder. Um I can disconnect from Leg Up Health in my role at Leg Up Health. I could tell JD I'm gonna take a month off and he'd be like, cool, I'll let you know, I'll call you if I need <laughs> anything. And I'd probably hear from <laughs> like once. Uh, um, he wouldn't like that. I mean, we, I think we have very productive weekly meetings. Um, but yeah, it, it doesn't, doesn't need me. Um, whereas like, um, man, I, fe- I, I feel like I held things up. I was a roadblock while I was gone at windfall mm. and, uh, just for three days. Like, and I felt it today coming back, um, where I was like, oh crap, like people, I need to, I need to, I need to get on, I need to work late tonight just to get out mm. of the way of people.
0: I do think what you've got at leg up health is unique and it's entirely you doing, you, you said this before, like. When you took the job at Windfall, how much work you put into making sure Leg Up Health could run without you. But I mean, it it was years at less knowing wing CRM. I, I would take vacation in the sense like, yeah, I'd go snowboarding or whatever, but I was definitely checking email on the lifts and stuff like that. It was years before I felt like I could unplug the way you seem to, uh, with Leg Up Health.
1: Yeah, I mean J J I mean, J you know, ninety percent of that. So um, Can he unplug. It's pretty cool.
0: That is a really good question.
1: I think I hope JD, if you're listening, let's definitely talk about that because we should. Ha- <laughs> I had not even thought about that. We should absolutely have a plan for you to unplug once you've put in a year or two. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk about it. Ear <laughs> <Your>
0: news <dues> first.
1: <laughs> no, but um, no, it's it's a good point. Um, I think seasonal. The nice thing about Leg Up Health is the seasonal business. Like, yes, he probably could. You know, he would still need to be on call for emergency situations. Like, we had a client who had a serious serious, um, her daughter had a serious accident, um, recently. And, you know, we have to, we have to respond to that in real time to help them mm-hmm. make sure they get the coverage that they need. Um, and make good medical decisions. Um, but, uh, yeah, like I think there's always this, like this on-call component for him right now as the only you know, full-time employee, but that's a really good question. I'm gonna have to talk to him about that. I haven't even yeah. thought about that, asking
0: that. sort of talking about, but it, I think being on call all the time is fine as long as you aren't called very often. Like yes. we have this right yeah. now, where like my brother who does DevOps, like server, uh, kind of making sure the servers are running. If the site goes down, he's on call twenty four seven year round. But it only happens, you know, occasionally. So it's fine. Your are laugh. My headphone just fell out. <laughs> Is that a AirPod Pro? It's an AirPod Pro. It just popped out yeah, of my ear.
1: They it suck. I, I they don't stay in your ears. I, I like the the quality of sound that comes out of them, but if you move a little bit, man, you like. I've almost dropped AirPod Pros in just about every situation you can imagine. I've
0: mostly had luck with them, but not there. Anyway, uh, okay, cool. So yeah, you'll you'll talk to JD about deta- uh, disconnecting. That's cool. Anything yeah, it's, else? It's, yeah, I, uh,
1: the I, I just before I went on vacation, I went. I did a kind of a semi like last minute trip out to San Francisco. Um, to to do some windfall stuff. But it was cool because it just so happened that Duke was playing the Sweet 16 in San Francisco at the Chase Center, which is where the Warriors play. Nice. And so we uh, you know, the founder of Windfall, Arup, uh, and, Dan, and one of the other co-founders, Dan, both went to Duke where my year at Duke. And so we all three, along with like 10 other guys, went to um went to the game, which was really fun. Nice. They win. I, I'm not following it at all. Oh, that's so <laughs> sad. This is like actually big news because one, yes, they did win. Two, it's Coach K's final season. Do you know who Coach Shashovsky is? I
0: do know that it's his final okay. season. Yeah,
1: yeah, and three, because they won uh, the Elite Eight game, which is the game after Sweet 16, they now face UNC in the Final Four, which is their archrival.
0: So, some one of the two fan bases is going to be absolutely devastated. I, lo- I love that about sports. Just the everyone's unhappy except one team. (laughs) Well, Duke
1: Duke fans, uh, you know, root against you and see every round. So we're already been devastated by the fact that they made it to the final four. (laughs) Nice. You know,
0: I'm a hater at heart. I love it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, but now like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of looking at my wife going, uh, should I get a ticket to the final four and go to new Orleans? Um, and I'm just like, I'm too tired. I can't do it. Hmm.
0: I just said yes to, uh, Something a similar thing. I got I got invited to a bachelor party that I was kind of surprised to get invited to. And it's like it's maybe not like my it's not the bachelor party I would plan for myself. Uh, it's like Mexico beach type thing. And I was just like, I think I think we're getting to an age where you just got to say yes, because, uh, you know, <laughs> the, the number of bachelor parties that I'm going to get invited to going forward. Not that many.
1: <laughs> yep. <laughs> and they won't be that they probably won't be beach, you know, beach in Cancun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It'll be like yeah. golf or something.
1: <laughs> yeah. The the other, I kind of doing personal updates right now, but like one other personal update is, um, on Saturday, uh, I celebrated my kids, uh, Oliver, his first birthday, which is really cool. Um, my wife did this like 12 month photo progression of him every mm. month, uh, in the same like position. It was really cool. Um, we had a party, a bunch of people came over to the house. Um, and, uh, just made me realize like, wow, this year has been Incredibly life changing. Um, all kinds of things happening. So uh, yeah. a lot of reflection um, now. I guess like I don't reflect on my own birthday because it doesn't matter anymore. I'll now reflect on my kid's birthday because it
0: does matter. Hmm. Cool. Well, congrats. Do you do you congratulate people for kids' birthdays? Whatever. Uh, I mean, he's alive. <laughs> We're doing something right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, so was it last episode we talked about like doing a growth plan for lessening serum? I thought maybe I could give some updates on that. Um. So for people who didn't listen or don't remember, like quick update, like we talked about a lot of stuff. I kind of gave the whole growth plan and you, you gave a lot of valuable feedback, but I think the main thing you kind of pushed back on and challenged me on was like, what is the product team doing? And in particular, like I listed three things that qualify as a good growth project for like developers to work on. One was something that, uh, increases the odds of someone signing up for a free trial. Two is something that increases their odds of coming back a second time after they sign up for the free trial. And three is something that brings more traffic to the website. And you kind of challenged me that we've under in number three. And you kind of said, like, even if we end up sticking with the original plan, we at least owe it to ourselves to dive deeper into what are all the ideas in that third category. Um, so we followed your advice. Uh, Bracken and I separately spent time brainstorm, like thinking through stuff, we each made a very long list. And then we had a pretty long meeting, just like, let's go through all the ideas. Um, It didn't radically change it. So I was actually very pleased to see that the things we had come up with were already pretty close to the best things. But one interesting thing did come out of it. Um, We were comparing, so, you know, if we've got 30 ideas on the list and we're like, what's number one, what's number two, what's number three? What we kind of decided is number two is so much better than number three that we should kill number three and just put two people on number two um without specifics, like any reaction to that not the outcome I
1: expected, but I'm not surprised by the outcome either um it seems like uh okay what 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 um so the third thing I'm ass- like was it it was it what are you doing instead of the third thing, I guess? Like what what is that what conclusion yeah. did you come to?
0: Yeah, so I'll give the specifics. So number one is Zapier. Z- Zapier just across the board is like the best thing for us to build in so many ways. Like that's that's a given almost. But in it does accomplish this and that we would get listed in the Zapier marketplace, which is like a potential new new source. Um number two, I've talked about a lot on here appointment scheduling. This is not quite that, but it's a twist, which is just event invites. We have this calendar, thousands of people use this as their calendar. We don't actually have the ability to email anyone event invites. So you go into your CRM, you create an event, you add contacts to it. You separately have to email them. Uh, People are listening to this and they're probably like, and anybody uses this piece of crap software? A lot of people do. So I think it's like a pretty big unlock if we can say when thousands of these events are already getting created every day, or I think I should look up the numbers. I think that's right. Uh, If there's just a step that's like, do you want us to email all the people on this event? It would provide value to our customers, but like lots of people would, would see the name less annoying CRM, I, th- I think. So that was number two. Um, number three was a mobile app. We do not have native mobile apps and I'm a little torn here. Get it. They have these app stores, but I do think they're pretty saturated at this point. Um, I really view it more as it's an advertising channel. Um, not, I don't think organic growth on app stores is a thing anymore, but, uh, I think it's probably less competitive than Google AdWords, but you're making faces. What do you think?
1: <laughs> no, I think I think like I don't I I I don't know the CRM customer journey, but I highly doubt people are th- like maybe there's one user accounts going oh I'm going to go search uh, the app marketplace for a CRM tool uh, and that's going to be how I buy a CRM. I I just I can't imagine doing that myself.
0: So it's like yeah yeah maybe- yeah. You may be right, and it, it would be a huge investment. With uh, I I don't know how you even validate that. I guess you could. You could do some interviews or something. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah, so it seems like it's like a it's like a nice to have user
1: feature these days to have a native CRM app um, versus like a, it may be increased conversion rates uh, because mm-hmm. or, that's a qualifying question for someone. Um, but I don't
0: know. And that's why. So the reason it was on the I said we were pleasantly surprised after we did this. The reason that was on the list is not because we viewed it as a good way to create growth. It was because we thought. It would improve the odds of someone coming back a second time, but oh, then yeah. when we listed everything, we we're like, "What are all the marketplaces we could be on?" I think Zapier is number one, and like, there wasn't, there weren't a lot of, we're on a lot of them already. Like to be clear, there are a lot of other good marketplaces, but we're already on them. The, the iOS App Store is probably number two that we could come up with, but basically, we we brainstormed like we could keep we like we event invites don't have to stop with the invite email. There's all kinds of stuff you could do where. Oh, and then like you can message each other about the event and you can like we could make a rescheduling flow that kind of works like Doodle uh, or like Evite. Like there's a lot of ways to build on it that get people out of their email onto our site interacting with the event. And so this is this is a hypothesis. We need to validate it if we can. But like, I think building that out more as opposed to moving on to whatever number three or number four are are more promising ideas.
1: And that's interesting. And what I'm hearing Maybe this. Maybe I'm not thinking about this the right way, but also I'm I'm see- seeing like stepping stones towards um, a Calendly type competitor, yeah. Um, appointment setting tool, which has really interesting scale up, like, uh, you know, kind of multiple multiplying opportunities.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. We're never going to be viral like Facebook style viral, but if we could just get enough growth from that to cancel out churn, I mean that that would be enormous. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well. Cool. Uh, that. Thanks for updating on that, Adam. I, uh, do you feel like it was time well spent? Yeah, it, uh, yes, it didn't change hugely what we're doing right now, but it gave us a lot of clarity. So first of all, like you said, there's this big, like foggy area where we didn't even know what the options were. Sometimes you go through a brainstorming thing and you come to the conclusion you were right all along, but you feel confident in it. It's partially that. And also partially like, I think I see step two and step three a lot more clearly. Whereas before we were like. I only see step one. So yes, it was helpful. Thank, thank you for suggesting that. Cool. Thanks for um, updating on it. It's super interesting.
1: Yeah. I yeah. want you um, to build Zapier, And then I also want to see this, um, event stuff. Cause I, I, we've talked about the Calendly stuff for a long time. And I know for like years. <laughs> it just, and it just, it feels like there's, I don't know. It feels like there's a room for a, a very small business tool. Um, that's like mm-hmm. baked
0: into their workflow without them having to think about it. Um, but maybe I'm a maybe yeah. I'm wrong. No, I I I feel very, if less knowing serum died today and I had to start a new company, I'd build it around a calendar tool for businesses. I think it's it, it's a very heavily used. Every business uses their calendars really heavily and really there's been very little innovation. It's like Outlook calendar and then Calendly. And like there's so much more room for stuff beyond that. But so you're right. We've been talking about that for years. Another quick update on that. I'm really excited uh The developer who is the best fit for that project just finished her last project. And they they kind of snuck up on me. I was just like, she was like, what do I do next? And I was like, holy shit, are we finally, after years of talking about are we finally actually starting this event invite thing? So she's working on it now. So like, the seal is broken. You know, I feel like at this point, it's almost going to be impossible to stop this from happening. That's awesome. Congrats. Yeah,
1: really exciting. (laughs) I have an update from last week as well. Um, you know, how are we talking about delighting people? Um, and some, some companies like Zappos go out of their way to create remarkable customer service moments, not like Mm -hmm. customer experience moments, like when they're experiencing your product, but like service moments, like, oh, well this brand is just goes above and beyond for customer service. And we were Mm -hmm. talking about like, what are ways to do that? Following up on that, um, JD has been experimenting with sending crumble cookies, uh, do you know what crumble cookies are? No, I don't. Okay. So I don't know if this is big outside of Utah, but in Utah, there are like three or four gourmet delivery cookie shops where you can order like, you know, you order a dozen donuts, but they're actually like gourmet cookies. They're like six <laughs> inches, you know, in diameter. Wow. Um, and they're just like re- incredibly terrible for you, but also tasty. Um, <laughs> anyway, you can you can order and have them delivered to people's homes as a gift as part of their... Uh, Business model. So he, um, in addition to sending cold emails, um, sort of built out a campaign and sent uh, uh, cookies uh, to a test account. And uh, it it didn't go as perfectly, but what ended up happening was like they got she like it took like a week to get in touch with this person. It's a business owner. Um, And twenty minutes into the call, she was like, "Did you were you the one who sent us the cookies?" And JD was (laughs) like, "Yeah." Like I, I didn't want to say anything cause I thought like maybe you didn't get them. She was like, Oh yeah, it came, but they didn't have a note on them. So we had no idea who sent them to us, but we loved them. It like made our week.
0: Oh, interesting. <laughs> so it, it worked out just, why was there no note? Was that like, they, they just, just put forgot. a note in it, but like it, it uh, uh, they just didn't put it on. They just didn't put
1: it on. So, um, anyway, but they we, loved
0: it. That's great. They loved
1: it. So like, if we can figure out how to like, even if there's not a note, make sure that they know it was from us through like an email or a text communication. Um, I think that could work for us. it's like $10 to send um, cookies. Do you get
0: notified when it's delivered? I, I don't know, but probably, yeah, I, I, okay. I, I assume so. Because I could imagine an email subject, enjoy the cookies. If they yeah. get cookies and then they have that email show up like five minutes later, they're opening that email.
1: Yeah. And that's worth it. I mean, I think, I think if you lead with that and go, Hey, like, I'd love to talk to you and like, no pressure, but like, can we set up a 15 minute call? That's like that reciprocation, reciprocation, uh, Mm -hmm. land that we're hitting. Um, that, that, I don't know. I was cool. I thought it was a cool idea that he tried.
0: Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I, I love little gifts like that. Have you heard of, um, greetable before? I'm guessing not. No, it's, it's a St. Louis company, but they, you know, they're used elsewhere. Um, it's this tiny little box. It's like a, um, like origami, sort of like you, you buy it as a flat sheet of paper and then it folds into a box. I think nowadays, maybe they change their model and they send it for you. But anyway, it's just got a tiny little thing, like a little thing of gummy bears or, you know, a very small thing, but it's like kind of a card, kind of a box for a gift. And we, we sometimes send these to people. Um, and it's like, you know, it's a 50 cent thing of gummy bears, but for some reason, people love it so much more. It has all these pictures in it. So you could like, it's a picture of you and a your logo and whatever. Anyway, that's another. If if you want to, pro- probably even cheaper thing to try. <laughs> uh, that's a great idea. It's uh,
1: we, we. I. It's fun to try these things. Like just experiment mm-hmm. and see what happens. And every time it, it works, it's like win. That's a win. Yay.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Well, especially like so. Either if you're in the early stages of any startup, you you kind of do this hustle. Like maybe this isn't scalable or whatever. But it sounds like in your case, the the one on one hustle is the the plan long term. Um, which is, yeah. Awesome. Just, you know, try everything. (laughs) Exactly. And how do you, the only trick is like, how do you
1: operationalize it? Which kind of leads me into my next update. Um, which is like, uh, we ended up triggering because we were sending a lot of emails out through Gmail. Gmail was like, Hey, like this is a lot of emails. Um, are you spamming? (laughs) Um, and so we were like, okay, we better get a third party tool for this. Um, and so we've, we've invested, um, through experimentation over the last, uh, couple of weeks into a, a full stack of prospecting tools and I just wanted to share a little bit about what those tools are how we're using them and uh, I, I rough estimate I, I may be wrong on this but I think it's it's it looks like it's made JD about 5x more efficient he's able in a five-day work week to get um, f- you know what in one day, excuse me, he's able to get what he was doing done in a five-day work week. So, wow, we basically just multiplied the number of weeks of productivity um, by um, by five uh, for this for the remaining uh, uh, remainder of the year. But uh, anyway, the the four tools are PipeDrive, which is our CRM. The tool that we added last week was is Reply.io, which is a uh, it's sort of like a uh, it's a prospecting email tool. I'll call it a spamming tool. And then there is <laughs> Contact out, which is, um, is basically a way to get people's personalized personal email addresses, um, and phone numbers versus like a zoom info, which will give you business email addresses and phone numbers and then sales navigator, which is LinkedIn's, uh, basically, Mm -hmm. uh, Product for spamming people on LinkedIn, and so um, we we have these four tools. <laughs> not even pretending. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just it's what it is. Um, yeah, I mean, technically, it's not spam by definition of spam, but like it's it's a it's interrupting people when they don't want to be mm-hmm. necessarily interrupted. And so, um, anyway, um, we've had pipe drive since we started this effort, but in the last three or four weeks, we've added these three other tools and man, it works. And they all
0: integrate and talk to each other. So, so describe the flow. So like you're pulling data from LinkedIn and putting it into pipe drive and then reply.io yeah. sending an email, something like that. I don't know.
1: I, I, JD could answer this question better, but maybe that's something he could be a guest. and so we could talk to him more detailed about his particular flow at, at some point. But like the way, like I, th- I'm thinking about this is first there is sort of like list building, which is like, here are potential people, you know, qualified prospects that we would like to reach out at. And you can identify those via LinkedIn, via sales navigator by filtering out professions and that sort of thing. You might buy a list um, from a third-party vendor. You could, uh, you know, join an association and uh, as part of that association, get access to the member list. You might um, also attend an event, be a sponsor. And oftentimes they'll give you a list of the events uh, attendees. Anyway, like you build the list. And then the second part of that is, enriching the list with contact information. Because oftentimes you'll get the list and it'll be like first name, last name, maybe a LinkedIn profile, but there's no email address. Um, So then you got to enrich with the email address. That's where contact out comes in. And then you got to import it into your your CRM, which is where Pipedrive comes in. And then you want to like sort of connect it to your prospecting email tool so that you're one, you're not um, spamming people through Gmail and triggering Gmail alerts. Um, and two, um, the cool thing about like a tool like reply.io is y- it's multimedia. So once you have your list, let's say you you know you're you're doing a list of a hundred a day, you can you know build your list, enrich it, import it into PipeDrive, and then kind of push it into a flow, um, for lack of a better word, in these prospecting tools. And you can build out a flow, a fourteen day flow, which maybe starts with a phone call or an email, then a text message. Not that we would do that because that's a little bit too invasive, in my opinion. A LinkedIn message, a Twitter follow, a LinkedIn like. I mean, these are all like things you do over the course of 14 days to get someone's attention. Oh, send cookies on day 10, um, and that's all built out through the reply, Reply.io. So that each day you log in to Reply.io, and it may be like for the fir- for the 100 you started today, the first phase of that flow. But for all the active campaigns you have, you do the task for that day. And so Mm -hmm. it really systematizes the, the, the outreach when you're doing this over, you know, over if it's a, if it's a 14 day flow, you you know, you might have 1400 leads that you're working, um, at at one time, it it keeps, it tells you exactly what to do without you having to think about it.
0: Cool. Have you considered, uh, adding retargeting ads to part of that flow?
1: Yes. Um,
0: I am not sophisticated enough to do that. And that, like,
1: I don't have, I'm not... I don't have the time to invest in that right now, but yes, what's so cool is, is is our, is we build our first party data, you know, through the, these means we can then, um, you know, yes, we can retarget specific people like, Hey, like if someone is a qualified prospect and we know who they are, like from a Mm -hmm. digital identity perspective, let's, oh man, not only are they a qualified prospect, but they're also a business owner, which may know like 15 other qualified prospects or ICPs, yeah, like
0: let's spend a And they're on YouTube. Show them, yes, show them an ad. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I've that, never done that, but more we're sophisticated. Okay. We're learning about that right now. Not, not even saying we're doing it, but since we're doing this growth push, Alex and Eunice are like researching all this stuff. And they're like, man, retargeting has come a long way since, you know, last time I looked at it. And that, that's a lot of
1: what windfall is, is doing. Um, so part yeah. of windfall secret sauce is the ability to like create net new audiences based on lookalike audiences Um, Mm -hmm. and, um, based on an IC, an ideal customer profile without you having to like buy PII. Um, so there's a lot of cool, like stuff you can do with the digital
0: marketing stuff. It's way complicated though. It requires a lot of expertise. I mean, I wish none of this existed. (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't think the world is better because this exists, but you know, don't hate the player, hate the game, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, that's exciting. And also like very cool that. JD set this up, because I know prior to JD entering the picture, when you were just talking about abstract first, second, hire, the way you kind of described it was like your job, Rick, was building the automation, the tools, the workflows, and then plug a human in to execute. The fact that JD, he's kind of a full stack employee here, uh, that's very promising for kind of what he'll be able to do in the future. And yeah, the, the, the kind of
1: the big picture here is like, that's the difference between bringing on a partner versus bringing mm-hmm. on a, a first employee. And um, I, I got a partner here who can, who can do it all, um, you know, from zero, you know, getting to uh, the next hire um, and it's a huge source of, source of leverage. I mean, it's just huge and, uh, but it, it's, it's, exp- it's more expensive than, you know, hiring a, a you know, you know an a, a inexperienced, maybe first startup employee, um, but I'm glad I, I took this route. Yeah, for sure. Cool.
0: Um, all right. I got another kind of growth related update here. Um, can I say one more thing actually before you transition?
1: I, I, my rant is relevant to what I just, I just said, and I don't want to like come back to it because like I just rattled off a lot of tools, but I want to be very clear. We did not just go buy the tools and figure out how to use them. We did things manually. We figured out like where we actually like got shut down by Google. Um, (laughs) and then we said, okay, how do we, make this more efficient now that we've figured it out. And I just want to call that out. That's how it should work. You shouldn't like have a problem and then go buy a tool to solve it. Like people solve problems, tools do not solve problems. Like, and so, um, you know, I, I just, I want to rant. I, I just, I keep, I, I'm getting annoyed when people just want to like, cr- like buy tools. Every Mm -hmm. time a problem comes up when it's like, listen, like number one, we've got plenty of tools um, and we have too many tools right now. And adding another tool to the mix just complicates things because you got to figure out how they talk, talk together. They're siloed and they cost money. Like anyway, so I just oftentimes you don't need new tools to solve problems that you have and you shouldn't buy a tool until you figure out how to solve the problem yourself without the tool. But they can be huge sources of leverage once you like want to like automate
0: some a, a solution that you figured out manually. Yeah. yeah, I feel better having said that. That's a great reminder. Yeah, I I kind of I can relate to the temptation to buy now because like in the early days I you know, I I had a lot more energy and I was just like I was kind of in hustle startup mode and it was like oh, there's a new thing I'm I'm going to read about it, I'm going to just go start doing it and then yeah, exactly you said you the tools come later, but I'll admit now I'm like, you know, it's a bigger company I can't do everything, and maybe we don't have an employee who really specializes in that, or maybe they don't have enough time to explore. And so it is tempting to be like, can I give someone $500 a month and this problem goes away? Um, And the answer is like, almost always no. But whether it's a consultant or a tool or whatever, you normally can't buy full solutions that easily. Mm -mm. So this is a terrible segue into my next point, because I'm about to try to buy a full solution to something. (laughs) (laughs) I did not know that. Okay, let's go. <laughs> no, it's not a tool, don't <laughs> worry, but um so I you, you not I think like listen to as many podcasts and stuff like that as me, but um are you familiar with Demand Maven or Asia Arangio is the kind of head of it. She's like very like present in kind of the microconf world, like those podcasts she's she's often a guest on. I think she talks at microconf. Anyway, she runs this uh consultancy called Demand Maven which is it's like a growth uh Kind of consulting company for, like, maybe not explicitly, but like basically bootstrap SaaS companies more or Like if you read their marketing page, it, they might as well say we exist so that less annoying CRM can solve their growth problems. Like it, it's it's positioned exactly for us. Um, and I've I've just heard lots of good things. So as part of this growth push we're doing, I'm like. I'm, I, again, I'm not, I'm not going to be like, I'm going to pay them and they're going to solve all our problems. We're also doing it on our own, but I'm like, what would an expert come in and do? So, uh, I, I had a call with Asia earlier this week and the, we, we haven't actually signed the paperwork yet, but it sounds like we're going to do a, a consulting engagement. So that's one more possible way. We're going to kind of crack this growth problem.
1: What, what are, what are you asking her? I mean, what can you share? I guess, are you, what are you asking them to do specifically? Like, and what, how are you going to grade success?
0: Yeah. So they've got, um, kind of two main, like it's, it's a service, but kind of two main products, if you will. One is like develop a go-to-market strategy for a new company. And the other is like fix growth for a company like us. Um, so we're doing that second one as I understand it, it's basically like they're going to, so basically, uh, what you told me in either recent, I forget if it was the last one or in a recent podcast, you kind of said, Figure out who your ideal customer is. You need to go talk to your current customers. You need to find people that aren't your customers but could be. Find out where they are. Why are they firing their previous tool? Why are they hiring your tool? Um, So I think the first part is just understanding all this stuff that we should know, but we don't. And then putting together uh, the, 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 it's kind of like a 68 week engagement. They're not going to execute on it within that time, but they will basically say based on this and our experience, Here are the channels that seem promising for you. And here's like a plan for going after them. And then at that point we can decide, are we going to go do that ourselves? Or are we going to hire them or someone else to help us execute on that?
1: That's great. So, um, and is that going to be delivered over in 68 weeks or is the assessment sort of like the first deliverable within that 68 week plan? Uh, sorry, six to eight, not 68. six to eight. Oh God, I heard 68. Yeah. And I was like, Oh God, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so in, the next, in the next, uh, two to, in the next one and a half to two months, you're going to get like an assessment. Basically it's like, Hey, here's a plan. Here's a plan of how we would tackle this. Um, click here to pay, uh, five times as much money.
0: Uh, yes. With some, so first of all, they probably can't start for until May. So Oh shoot. Six, six to eight weeks from then. Um, and then I, I don't get the impression their model is like the upsell. I think they have like very limited she's kind of like, this this project is what we do. Um we have like an ongoing retainer thing, but that that could do some she she was pretty clear, like we're not a full service agency. Our goal here is not to like be running these campaigns for you. Um so yeah, we'll have to see what it like do we think we can execute on it or not. I'm looking at the
1: the positioning. You're right. Like demandmaven.io is the website for anyone who's listening who wants to check this out. Um, the positioning is fantastic, and the work that they do is actually the hard work. Like most agencies come in and like do the the blocking and tackling, but they they aren't capable of doing the strategic uh, game planning, like hard work. Um, they they rely on that already being being in place. Um, this is like very hard work that they're promising that they're going to do. And they have great reviews that they can do it. Um, I, like, I, I at, at People keep. I wasted a ton of money um, trying to hire an agency to do this type of work. Um, the strategic positioning, uh, you know, go-to-market planning work. And it went horribly. Um, they need that. A good agency needs that to be in place so that they can align to it and help you execute it. Man, I think this, I, what a fun business to run. Like I bet they see so much cool stuff. There, I will not be surprised. Like this is actually an interesting service business that like it's kind of like um for a non technical founder, the ability to run a service business like this, you're gonna see so many different business plans, so many different go to markets. There's going to be another business that flows out of this based mm-hmm. on all the learnings that they've had because they are in the guts of so many different businesses. Really interesting um really interesting services business. I, like, yeah. I'm super jealous of it actually.
0: Yeah. So I I go into any engagement with outsourcing anything. I go into thinking this could be a total dud and it could totally fail. So it it is, I'm like placing a bet on this, um, but uh, going in with realistic expectations. But I'll admit, I'm pretty optimistic here that this is the type of work that is important. You talk about all the time, you enjoy it. This is like miserable work to me. I do not want to do this work. Um, So if they do it even halfway decently, it's stuff that we've just never done before
1: man. Yeah. I'm looking at their four steps. Like that's so hard work. And then they have an optional implementation, like actually, actually execute the plan, but you're paying for a plan. And that's, what's cool mm-hmm. is like in six to eight weeks after they start in May, like you're going to be able to say, yeah, I want to execute this plan or no, like I like the plan, but I want to execute it myself and make some changes or I don't like it at all. Thanks, but no thanks.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So fingers crossed all, uh, it'll be a while before I have updates, but whenever I do, I will definitely mention it on this podcast. Uh, can you share any like costs associated with this? I'm curious. I'm like- not, I, I doubt they care, but I'm not, uh, uh, if you look around their website, you'll get a sense of the prices they charge and, uh, what we're paying is what I expected. So I'm not going to cool. get a number, but, uh, their website is representing things accurately. Cool. Cool. Uh, yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Absolutely. Um, all right. I got one more thing before we, I don't know if we have big topics, but one more kind of little one, uh, I've done two. So I, as a reminder for everybody, about a year ago, I took a week off my normal work and built the site less annoying business, which is sort of like a content site slash my personal blog newsletter. Um, I put a lot of effort in up front. I was writing like at least a blog post every week. Uh, I got up to 200 newsletter subscribers. I send out a monthly newsletter. Um, I have kind of, The last two newsletters, I have not had any new blog posts, so I basically haven't written a blog post in the last two months. I'm trying to figure out what, how accountable I should hold, like how much I should hold myself accountable for creating content and what the pace should be. Um, I have more thoughts on that, but what's what's your initial reaction to that?
1: I have to ask a lot of questions, like what are your goals? Why are you doing this in the first place?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, (laughs) it it was all documented on the podcast, and someone can go back and listen. And I'm, and based on what I say now, they're going to be like. You were an idiot. Uh, It was a a combination of things, but one was an attempt to try to get content marketing working. Um, I wouldn't. It didn't like flop. It gets a little traffic. Again, two hundred subscribers to the newsletter isn't nothing given the effort I've put in, but it's also not you know meaningfully changing the business. Uh, But another thing is like I wanted a place to write stuff. Like sometimes I have thoughts and I, I feel motivated to write. I love the fact, I'll say, I don't regret anything I did here because I know in the future I will want to write blog posts again, but I'm not like inspired to right now. And so the question is like, should I force myself or should I just wait until I'm more inspired?
1: So you're not yeah, more this is a question of like getting rid of it. It's a question of like, how do you reposition it?
0: Yeah, I, uh, I don't necessarily need to change anything aside from like, do newsletter subscribers, should they expect blog posts every month? Oh, and no. I don't think they'll I don't think they'll care, but like should I like at one point you you and I have both said this, it's like a forcing function to force me to blog. So it's more should I force myself to blog is is really the question here.
1: Well, you're not doing it's it's it doesn't seem like it's wor- working and you don't like <laughs> you didn't write a blog post for your last month. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it seems to me like you're the type of person who thrives off of like the moment that you're inspired and it like maybe for your personality and for you like committing to any sort of frequency is, is silly. And maybe it should be, you know, spot spontaneous based on getting hit by happy feeling. And you could in one week send out three emails, mm-hmm. not, you know, send another email for you know a few quarters. And I feel like the people who follow you would, would, would not have a problem with that. Um, well, but there is, uh, there is merit to a schedule.
0: Yeah, let me ask you this. So my my plan was not to stop sending so I what I I have not been sending an email every time there's a blog post. I've been sending a monthly email no matter what. And I write a decent amount in it. Like it's almost mm-hmm. a mini blog post in the newsletter. So even if I don't have anything to link to, I think it's just like my plan was to still send a monthly newsletter, but not necessarily to write blog posts anymore. And again, unless I have something I want to say. Do you
1: like, um I, I guess do you like writing the content in the newsletter monthly? Do you get value Uh, out of that or do you want to stop doing that?
0: I, I like it more than forcing a blog post because it's kind of temporary. So I don't like, I always end up when I get started, it feels like a chore and I always end up appreciating it at the end. I'm kind of like, I actually had something to say here and I didn't, I didn't think I would, but it worked out this may not be helpful, but I'll just share sort of my thought process
1: around my blog and newsletter. And mm-hmm. I kind of leave my, anything I write for Ricklandquist.com. I want to be somewhat, um, forget the word. Uh, I think it's called evergreen. Like I want it to last forever. I don't right. want to put bread, a blog post that I'm going like, to, it's going to be out of date, you know, in a matter of months, like long shelf life. Um, and then I use my blog for more of my reflective stuff. That's week to week. Um, I have a weekly cadence. Um, and I love writing it. Um, I don't put nearly as much time into like, like the reflection part and sharing what I'm up to as you do. Um, But, but I, the little bit I do, it forces me to think about what happened in the last week. And that is really valuable. And I don't know how valuable it is to other people. Like, so there's a question there that I can't really answer, which is like, do people care what I'm up to? Like, but the fact that I think about it um, is worth it uh, for the effort I put in. Um, But I, I feel pretty comfortable not, putting in new content if I don't have it and I don't, but, but I do want, I do want the pressure. Um, if I go multiple weeks without putting new content in, right. I like the pressure that it forces me to like, okay, I'm not prioritizing with something that's really important to me. I need to reevaluate my priorities.
0: Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I think I agree with all that. I, I, I'm, I'm perfectly happy to continue writing the monthly thing because like you say, like forcing you to reflect is valuable. Um, one of the things I said a year ago, if you go back, I said this on the podcast is I was like, way back in the day, I wrote, I wrote a lot of blog posts that didn't do a lot in the moment. And then like over the years, they actually built up decent traffic. And I kind of lamented, I was like, Oh, if only I'd been doing this this whole time, I think I would actually have a lot of traffic. Um, so that's, that's the one part I'm nervous about here is like, yeah. That, just a commitment. So, so, so that is why I have
1: this forced collection for myself. I have the same moments. Yeah. Like I, I should have been writing for 10 years while I was at Zane Modes. People keep, I regret not doing that. I'm not going to go, I'm not gonna let that happen again. That's why I have mm-hmm. this commitment to the world. That I'll send out a weekly newsletter and yeah, like I'm okay. There's buffer built in where it's like, yeah, if I don't have a new piece of content, it's okay. If I'm not, I can kind of wait for it to come back. But if I go multiple weeks, like for you it might be multiple months um, and I'm not uh, producing content, I want this to force me to reassess like what I'm doing. Cause I know that if I go longer than that, I'll regret it. Yeah. So would you,
0: I wouldn't regret. So to, to be honest, my dream is less annoying serum has good growth channels. The blog, like me generating any sort of buzz myself is irrelevant, but I have a place to write when I want to. Um, Cause throughout the last 10 years prior to launching this regularly, I'd like write a blog post in a word doc and like a Google doc. And I'd be like, I think this is pretty good, but I have nowhere to put it. And like the, the, the activation energy of getting, getting it somewhere is too much. And so I just scrap it. So I would love to have this site as a place to post stuff in the future. But um, no, I don't think I like need to write aside from to please myself. If like all my other goals are being met,
1: you know? I mean, I just did, I, I took your most recent, your uh, your top post on your greatest hits and I just typed it into Google. You're you're already on the top of the second page of Google for entrepreneur versus CEO, uh, key term. So yeah. like you're, you're indexing. And so I, I kind of feel like you need to force yourself to do this for like, I don't know, like another four or five months. And cause I think you're like just about to hit the point where it actually starts accelerating. So I'm, I kind of do you think you might be like giving up too early?
0: Yeah, that, that's what I. I mean, I I did it for nine months. I mean, I wrote sixty posts. I think um, I wrote a decent amount, but yeah, you, you may be right. It's also funny. I I've started getting comments on my YouTube videos I made like a year ago. Uh, not a lot. I got like three comments in the last month, but like, okay, th- there is something to this this content thing.
1: Yeah, no, you're 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 indexing now. Like last time, I it was a months ago that I just kind of investigated how you are doing, but like you're starting to rank. Um, so I, I mean, I would, I would want to, if I were you, which I'm not, I'd want to have <laughs> some sort of like continuing to put new content out and sort of keep it fresh um, on some cadence. Um, but I feel like if for you, like you're going to get inspired by something just, just from this content alone, now that we've got the, the, the podcast back, there's going to be something I bring to the discussion that's going to like trigger you and you're going to get passionate about it, and you're just going to like be thinking about it over the weekend and you're going to just write a blog post. So I don't know. I don't yeah. I don't, I feel like if you took, if you're not liking the pressure of having like thinking, feeling like you need to write a blog post for the newsletter, get rid of it. And you probably still will.
0: Yeah. You know what? Uh, I, I I think what you just said. So as you were talking, I was thinking, you know what? I was in a meeting earlier today where an employee is dealing like they're kind of a like a leader of a part of the business and they're struggling with a question they came to me and were like how do you do this and we sat down and just put a plan together and I've done this maybe like a few times in my career so like this was not my first time I didn't think about it at the time like shit that should be a blog post but and I would love writing that what I what I now realize I don't like trying to create a topic that I'm not working on. I don't like. I want to be like, what's what's my thought leadership going to be today? But just saying, here's a, a thing I just solved. Let's share it with with somebody. I think I enjoy that. So I just need to pay more attention to when those opportunities fall in my lap. I think
1: that, that probably will solve your problem. And then, like, maybe if if you're if you're feeling some negative like repercussions of feeling like you have to do something, like reposition the newsletter as more of like, a, hey, I'll post content when I when I have it. And it sounds like you've yeah. already done that. So maybe you just need to, yeah, not change anything. Yeah. Just be on the lookout more.
0: Great thing about this podcast I, is I just include two podcast episodes. Every newsletter is like, there's some content <laughs> every time. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, any, like you've got some, the cool
1: thing about a month too, is like, you have some interesting updates. Like, yeah. Not, like it, just, you have some interest, like you have the leadership updates. You've hired two people. Like there's lots of things that you can write about there that maybe aren't like worthy of its own post. But yeah, I just want to re reemphasize that my quick assessment of your, of your SEO is like, you are just now hitting like the return, like the point of like where it starts to blip up, um, Mm. compounding like returns on your effort. And I think like, uh, to, to slow down now, my opinion would be, is that that would be a mistake.
0: All right. All right. I'm, I'm not committing long-term, but I'm I'm committing medium-term. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Um, but cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like fun. I like talking about that stuff. Yeah. Cool.
0: Um, all right. Well, I 200 subscribers our... too, by
1: the way, is really good.
0: Yeah. I, I'm, I'm pleased with it. Uh, I haven't really added any in a couple months. Um, so 200 is good, but there, there's also not a tr- positive. But you're not writing there. new content and new content. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. F- yeah. Sorry. Let me, let me rephrase. I didn't. So what happened is I wrote a ton of content for the first few months and then I went down to like more of a once a month cadence I didn't really add any during that whole once a month period. I kind of got them all up front,
1: Mm, Um, but
0: whatever I'll I'll keep going. We'll, we'll see. Um, that's all the like, kind of, uh, like, you know, current updates. Do you have a, any other topics kind of on the, on the backlog you want to talk about today?
1: I got one thing here that I think it's pretty quick. So I can, we can probably finish with this. Um, I was thinking about what you said on a recent podcast the other day, and I just wanted to call it out again, because I think it's re- it's something I want you to like help me get better at. Um I just think you're really good at this. I like being negative, too, but I think as I've tried to improve on some of the leadership qualities that maybe i I didn't like about myself in previous profe- uh, roles, I've avoided being negative um, at the because I don't want to come across as rude, but you mentioned that there's a way to be negative without being rude. Um you can be real about things without mm-hmm. being rude.
0: Yeah, I think um, real. That's not, I didn't put it that way, but calling it being real, I think, is the right way to describe this. Yeah.
1: And I, 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 I'm trying to. I feel like I've, I've overcorrected to just not to, to kind of being avoiding being real at the expense of, of being, because I don't know how to do it without being rude. And I'm, <laughs> I'm now kind of swinging back to no. I want to be real, but I also don't want to be rude. How do I find that balance? Um, hmm. And uh, anyway, I, um, I've caught since we've talked, I've caught myself trying to be real, but being rude. <laughs> and I'm just curious, like, do you have any like suggestions on like how to be real without being rude?
0: Are you talking about like with employees, any particular context? Because I do think like doing it on Twitter is different from doing it in a workplace, for example.
1: Well, let's just, I mean, here's a perfect example. You're, you're at a restaurant and, you know, you've made a reservation. Okay. And mm-hmm. um, your expectations with the reservation aren't being met.
0: Oh man, how I would you, never say anything. <laughs> oh, you would never say anything. So, th- so you're just I, I want to be. I want to be at the restaurant with you so that I can be like, hey, Rick, why don't you go say something?
1: <laughs> yeah. So, like, I, I, if I would definitely say something in that situation, but then I would be perceived as being rude. Yeah, and I don't know how to I'd approach that conversation. Anyway, that's maybe not a good example for you to coach me on. But like,
0: yeah, wh- yeah what I, I you know what you mean. Like, I just don't have yeah. any
1: wisdom for that one. Well, you tell me when you see me being? real, but rude.
0: Um, I would just, I would love for you to call me out when you see that. Maybe that's the way you can help me with this. I mean, one of the hard things about it, it's so, it's so much dependent on the relationship you have. And this is why, so if I were at a friend's house and my expectations weren't being met, I'd absolutely tell them. But the problem is like, you have no relationship with the waiter or whoever at the restaurant. And so you have no trust to, to lean on. And that's what I find so difficult or, or, or like to do this. Well, it really, really helps. Like you do this to me. You push uh, last last podcast episode. You kind of not in these words. You're like, "Hey, you're being stupid about this growth thing. Here's what you should do." Uh, but I, it wasn't rude at all because I know you're. I know you respect me. I know we're coming from the, the same place. So you did it great there. But yeah, how do you do it with a stranger? Is that part of the question? Yeah, that was the example of I guess the the restaurant reservation.
1: But it's 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 also like yeah interacting on Twitter, having Mm -hmm. conflict, um, yeah. With people like you're meeting at an event, um, being real, you know, with, yeah, I guess like, yeah, it's, it, it, it's, it's being real when you don't have that trust
0: built up to allow for, um, you know, serious misinterpretation. Yeah. I'll say I most often run into this on Twitter. And so maybe this is like way too specific of advice, but one thing like every single reply anyone gives you, that's that's my number one Twitter advice. And then you can, or or especially if you're disagreeing with someone, like their comment and then disagree with them, and that will immediately tell them, because online it's so easy for people to jump to like, who is this asshole? Like, are, are we enemies now? Should we fight? And if you just <laughs> like the tweet, I think they're like, oh no, no no, we're not enemies, you know?
1: Yeah. So it's 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 a, uh, it's almost you know the 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 general framework there is like it's kind of like a be positive before you're negative uh kind yeah, of thing. like validate them in some way um before you hit them with the with the real with the realness um
0: yeah, I think that's like I mean, again, I don't want to act like I'm great at this, but let me like a thing that happened today i gave i just gave a job offer to a uh coding fellow for the summer, and i mean he was a gr he accepted thankfully, so like all good outcome, but like in the offer in the interview he was like really into web3 which as you know I'm very skeptical of but this is like a 20 year old kid who like hey he doesn't know he, he doesn't know he's learning stuff and so I in the offer letter I just wrote up I just want I just want you to know I'm incredibly skeptical of web3 as are most of the employees at this company we will support you I think you should be curious you should be interested in the technology if that's what you want to learn this summer we'll do our best to help but I don't want you to come into this environment thinking uh like like i don't want you to be surprised when you get in here and realize a lot of us are really skeptical that's maybe a small form of this of just like saying the truth but also being like i i really want you to to pursue this if you're interested in it you know that's cool no yeah like no it's I, yeah it's the it's 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 like a acknowledgement of the person's
1: view as okay um and you know that the person is not wrong mm, there's nothing wrong yeah. with you, but, but here's a different perspective,
0: yeah, yeah, that's probably even even a better generalization than the one you gave before like like that it's you're you're addressing the reality of the situation and not making a judgment about the person, yes, but yes. how do you communicate that and that's probably yeah' them it's like taking it personally I think I make people take things personally without intending to all the time. <laughs> Yeah, I will say in the restaurant example, I, I almost never say anything. When I do, I say like, listen, I want to be clear. I know this is not your fault. You're doing your job, but there's a problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is not what I
1: this is not even close to what I signed up for.
0: Yeah, your boss really <laughs> fucked up by hiring you. No, <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, well, cool. Yeah, sorry. I don't think anything I have great insights to share there, but uh, no, no, interesting it's topic, basic though. stuff. It's basic. Yeah,
1: cool. Um, anything else? Nope, I'm good. All right. Well, if you'd like to review past topics and show notes, visit com. See you next week.
0: See you.